Well, good morning, Door of Hope. Morning. Welcome. I'm so uh, thrilled that you can be here with us, whether you're in the room this morning or whether you're joining us online. It's so great to have you. Cool. No worries. Rene is on his way. <laughs> He's announced himself. <laughs> very good, very good. Hey, um, this morning we, we get the uh, privilege of having a really cool conversation, I think. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and we're continuing our series, um, journeying through the book of Ephesians, uh, talking about um, oneness in community and what that looks like in various circumstances. You may remember Tony kicked us off in the series. And uh, she talked about the reason why, you know, that Jesus has come into this world to, to actually create a, a new community of people, um, to address the dark thread that came into the world because of our terrible decisions, uh, and to, um, to reconnect us with God, and reconnect us into a loving community that He has created, especially um, of how how people are meant to live together. And uh, Wayne continued the series um, uh, with a, a message on being one in the church and how everyone in the church has a part to play, um, something that they can contribute to the body of believers and, and to their community, uh, and that everyone belongs, everyone can belong in this community. And then Andrew spoke on uh, oneness in partnership and our relationships with one another, particularly in the in the area of our spouse relationship and what that um, needs to look like. And, and then last week, of course, we had Father's Day and, and Phil brought us a great message on what oneness looks like in the parent-child relationship. Uh, and, and all the way we've been following along the um, book of Ephesians, step by step, essentially, reading what Paul has to say about um, why, but also how this new community looks like, what it looks like in our everyday lives. And uh, this morning we get to continue that, and uh, we're going to continue reading through Ephesians, and Paul starts to write about the relationships at work, the relationships between what he says a master and a slave, and we can kind of translate that into um, our context today of, of kind of the employer-employee relationship. And uh, so we're going to have a conversation. Instead of, we, we just thought, you know, who, who can we get to speak on this topic? And uh, we had so many ideas of people... And in the end, we just thought, well, why don't we actually grab a whole handful of them <laughs> and uh, let's have a conversation. And this morning, uh, we're going to have a conversation with these fantastic people who I'll introduce in just a second uh, and about this passage and what it looks like for them in their lives, in their context, in their real, everyday working life. Um, and hopefully, through the discussion, we'll be able to um, inspire us, encourage us in this and um, then maybe learn a few practical things uh, from these guys' experience um, and just have a casual conversation. Is that all right? Cool. So, guys, we're just having a conversation. It's you and me and a few hundred of our closest friends just kind of listening in, all right? Fantastic. So, before we um, get uh, into the actual passage, let's, let's introduce our panelists for this morning. Um, right down the end here, we have Tony and Michelle Walters. Welcome, Tony and Michelle. It's great to have you. Yeah, absolutely. Tony and Michelle um, own and, and run Tasmanian Occupational Health and Safety Services. Uh, it's a company that provides rehabilitation and injury management services to injured workers. 
Michelle is the general manager and has been with the company for 16 or so years. And Tony is the managing director and been with the company for about 20 years or so. Uh, and both are heavily involved in the day-to-day -day operations of the business. So welcome, Tony and Michelle. It's great to have you. We're going to hear from you just shortly. Next, we have Tracy Murphitt on the panel. Welcome, Tracy. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Tracy is a registered nurse. Um, but as if that wasn't quite enough, which is a huge job as it is, she actually teaches others to be kind of nurses as well, um, working at TAFE, um, working with students aged between 17 and 61. Um, Tracy works with a team of other registered nurses as well, uh, with a variety of experiences and backgrounds, um, and they're pretty well self-managed um, in, in a group, and we'll find more about that later. But welcome, Tracy. Uh, Rene Contreras, let's welcome Rene, everybody. Hey, Rene. Rene has been working in the aquaculture industry for the last 20 or so years across different countries and companies. Uh, and you've moved here a few years ago with your family from Chile uh, to work for his current organization, uh, Petuna Aquaculture, here in Tasmania. Rene, you are the general manager of freshwater operations. And uh, so you're in charge of the salmon's early stages the reproduction, and the genetic program. So you basically help the fish get pregnant. All right. A fish wingman, I suppose you could. Yeah, OK. All right. OK, good. <laughs> welcome, Rene. Hey, uh, let's welcome Joel Ratcliffe. Many of us, many of us will know Joel. Joel Ratcliffe uh, works here at the Launceston Conference Center. He's the manager here has been in this role for about two years or so. Wow, that's gone quickly, hasn't it? Amazing. Before that was at Centrelink for like 17 or so years yeah. um, in various roles, including management and positions like that. Um, Joel reports here to our CEO, COO, Troy Roberts, uh, and uh, the Resource Ministry Board. Um, and uh, you have also several staff that report to you um, in your role as well. Uh, and. Last but not least, Royce Aldred. Please welcome Royce. <laughs> Royce, uh, you work for Taswater. Uh, he's been a trade waste manager for almost six years. So, Royce, you basically have to deal with more crap from anyone else <laughs> that, like, than anyone else here. Is that correct? Uh, there, yeah. there it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, trade waste manager is kind of a bit of a euphemism for... Oh, basically, if you're a business in Tassie and you discharge the sewer, I'm your man. <laughs> Fantastic. You don't want any uh, calls for our residential sewerage no. waste? No. Oh, well, no. No. Preferably not. <laughs> no. Okay. I've got enough crap to deal with. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, before we get into the uh, panel discussion this morning, um, I thought, well, why don't we start by reading together the passage uh, from Ephesians that we're um, going to delve into a bit more, and that'll be on the screen. We're reading from Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, the first part we're going to read this morning is uh, verses 5 to 8. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, and with the sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves for Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one whatever good they do, whether they are slave 
for free. So as I mentioned before, Paul uses the terms master and slave in these passages, uh, and um, we can certainly um, translate into our context um, these principles for our working relationships, whether you're an employer or an employee. And uh, Paul starts off certainly with the first section of this passage talking about from the employee's perspective, the slave's perspective. Uh, so we're going to start there, guys. And uh, Royce, maybe with you to, be- to begin with, I'm keen to know um, what has this looked like for you as an employee, first of all, um, in whether that's um, right now or, or in the past? What does it look like to um, live out this passage from Paul? Yeah, it's a challenge because when you read it there and you think about it out of, without putting it into real life context, um, there's an assumption that the master's going to do the right thing and that's definitely not always the case. We work, I work in a secular context and often I have bosses that don't behave in a way that I think they're going to behave and in a, in a way that I think they should behave. So the challenge is to see God as my boss in that context and also try and influence upwards. Um, so if I can only do my job well if I'm allowed to do that and if I've got a boss that's sort of um, interfering or controlling or leading me down a path I don't want to go, then the challenge for me is to, to influence upwards and do that in a way that's respectful and doesn't emasculate or doesn't disempower the leader. So it's an everyday challenge, um, but that's, that's our lot in life. Yeah. Hey, um, Joel, I'm interested to know, you have you've, um, currently work in a largely Christian environment here at Door of Hope. You have some um, unchurched people around you in your organisation, but essentially, you know, your, your boss is a Christian and you work part of a Christian organisation. Yeah. Um, but you've had plenty of experience outside of that as well. Um, can you see um, a difference in, in, the, in the way that you've lived this out compared um, with the secular world as far as the church or Christian world? I think certainly it's uh, it's a, an easier environment if you're in a church. Um, you're kind of surrounded with it. But um, my views changed. I think um, I used to think that I had to be in a minister's role to do ministry. Um, now I think work is ministry, um, and I'm very conscious of the people around me who are churched and unchurched. And for me, this is uh, the key for this particular passage for me is that uh, that verse, verse 7, that says, uh, work with enthusiasm as though working for the Lord and not for people. And I, I, I like that. That's kind of my thing. I want to do work with enthusiasm because um, the way that I treat people, the way that I work, uh, speaks to both Christians and, uh, and the unchurched. Mm-hmm. Um, and it matters how I treat people because their only, um, their only contact with the church may be through my business, uh, through the people who come in here for the gym, for the childcare centre, for the conference centre, all of those people. We have thousands of people come through here a month. Uh, my hope is that I'll, con- I'll be able to connect with as many of them as possible with enthusiasm. 
um, and it doesn't matter now whether it's churched or unchurched, uh, I don't think um, the passage is distinguishing, uh, but it matters how I treat people, um, and I want to do it with enthusiasm and joy and, um, and bring hope, bring love, bring Jesus. Um, so I've, I've changed that delineation now, so hopefully I can treat my boss, my uh, employees with the same grace that I would treat anyone that walks through the place. And it's a work in progress, but uh, it's a work with enthusiasm thing that kind of grabs me and I want to do that. Mm. Uh, and you probably will notice that, hopefully. Um, that's my testimony. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. I might come down to Tracy now. Um, Tracy, I'm interested to know... Um, what are, what are some of the benefits that you've found from um, putting this thought or principle um, into your own career? Um, and um, how have you um, seen that actually um, uh, benefit you and the people around you? So the idea of slaves and masters and being a slave to God yeah. rather than a, a slave to others. Well, I work in, a, in an area where... Um, I have a boss, but I also have a role where I am sort of a boss, um, more a leader. But um, I think using this passage of remembering and uh, pretty much echoing what, what Roy said, that God is my master, but God is also everybody else's master, and he doesn't show any favourites. And I think that's that right at the end of the passage it talks about that. So whenever I deal with other people, whether it be as an employee or whether I um, am leading others or guiding others or mentoring others, I have to remember that um, God is my master, he is also their master, and it's a level playing field. We're all in it together. Um, no, I'm no better than anyone else. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a game that we all play together, and God, God leads it. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Hey, uh, Rene, you've got... Um 20 years of experience in aquaculture and, and all that yeah. sort of thing. Fantastic. I, I usually say that I started when I was six years old. Otherwise, <laughs> I look too old uh, when, I, when you say 20 years. <laughs> 20 years. Yeah. yeah. In a while. Um, I'm assuming at times over the, that period, um, this may have been more challenging than other times. Um, are you able to maybe share some experience as to when this has been really tough? for you? Uh, maybe you've had a difficult um, boss or someone overseeing you has been a bit harder to actually live this out. Yeah. Um, do you have kind of an experience to share with that? Yeah, well, w one of the most difficult times, uh, as I said, I work in aquaculture industry and uh, in different countries with people from different backgrounds, cultural backgrounds. Um, but definitely m the most difficult time when I w was when I was in Chile. So around 2007, um, we need to think that here in Tasmania, we produce around 60,000 tons of uh, salmon each year, okay? So Chile produces uh, around a million uh, tons per year, and Norway 1.4 million of tons per year. So in 2007, 2006, we uh, was really keen to beat um, uh, Norway on, uh, with the production. And, um, and on that moment, we had a biosecurity issue, and we have a disease with the fish. It's a virus that affects the fish. 
losing the fish really close to harvest time. So that means that devastate all the industry. Okay, so it, it's, it's, and, and you can imagine this size of industry give work to a lot of people. So on that moment, um, the, the company goes through a really difficult time. So we used to be 5,000 workers in, um, in July 2007. And then by March 2008, we was just 300 people wow. working. So it was a massive issue. And the problem was uh, trying to stand in front of really good people, really good workers, and say, you know, guys, sorry, uh, but you need to go home uh, because there is no work uh, anymore. That was really, really difficult mm -hmm. because as a Christian, you're, try you're trying to say, okay, so uh, there's families with no, no work. Uh, but at the same time, it's a learning as everything. So that teach to us to say, okay, we need to do the things in a better way. We need to be more sustainable. We need to manage in a good way. This is not a race to trying to escalate massive production. It's about quality of what we're doing. And we learn from it. And it was really difficult on that time. But now that I've been part of executive teams in different companies during the last years, every time that I need to take a decision, I remember that tough time. So I understand that God passed, uh, make me pass through this situation so I can travel around the world now and say, uh, okay, guys, you know, I, I have been on that uh, situation before and I don't want to get in there again. Yeah. So uh, it's more about looking forward and the future decisions are driven by what's happened mm. on, on that, on that yeah. moment. Yeah, that's so good. Um, what about you, Tracy? Has there been a, a time where... Um, as an employee, it's been challenging to you to honor and respect and, um, you know, give um, the same level of work uh, and effort and energy uh, as you would if, if God was your boss, literally? Yeah, indeed. And, and I suppose the, um, the challenge occurs, and I've, I've worked in many, many jobs, um, so I'm not going to pick out one in particular, yeah. but there have been times when I've been asked to do things, and that's not what God would want. Um, and so the challenge is, okay, if I honour God and not my boss, I'm going to get into trouble. And praying and asking, and he's never let me down. So in all those times, and there haven't been many, but when they have happened, I've actually gone, I prayed and gone up to that person and said, well, actually, I'm not going to do this um, and move forward from there. So, um, yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. yeah. No, that's really good. Yeah. Yep. I wasn't going to ask Joel that, just in case. <laughs> um, Tony and Michelle, well, we're still talking from the em employee's perspective, um, but um, you guys have had experience as employees, of course. Um, what about when there's times where you don't actually enjoy the work that you do. I'm sure not every single person uh, listening in right now is in a job that they are passionate about and uh, uh, really brings them joy and energy and, and that kind of thing. I'm sure there are probably many people who are in, who are in jo jobs or, or working in industries that they don't actually find that great. Um, have you got any advice for these people to um, to kind of still live out this passage the best that they can um, in an environment where perhaps 
is very difficult because of the just lack of passion or enjoyment. Yeah, well, I guess um, it's like the passage says, that we should just um, approach our work with joy, um, doing the best that we can. Um, and I think if we take a sense of pride in our work um, and our efforts, then it helps us get through those times when it might not be as enjoyable as it probably otherwise could be. When we don't have bosses that are as um, kind um, as they otherwise could be. So I think if, you, if you're just able to take um, some joy and some uh, pride in what you do and do it to the best of your ability and as God would want you to do it, then you'll probably get through to yeah. a time where oh, it'll probably make it feel better for you. Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. Um, because yeah. of the work that we actually do, obviously I, th I think most of us are working with people and we're working with injured people and so they come, they can come from a really different place and, um, and you know, it's, it's sort of like something that Tony and I have talked about because it can be difficult work and not just with the employee but with obviously can be with employers or other parties that are a part of the work that we do and so we've got to sort of um, manage th those tensions at times but I think the thing that God has really put on our heart because we we have whinged about our work <laughs> I mean you don't come home <laughs> every day and and just love the work you do but I think the thing that God has really highlighted um, to both of us is that what we do is our mission field and God's got us placed exactly where he needs us at this point in time. Um, and until he, he chooses to move us on from that or, or highlights very clearly that we're not, you know, we need to move on from the work that we do, um, I do really feel like it's our mission. You know, often we go away for missions and we do short-term stuff and we really love that and it's such a different experience. But the work that we do every day is actually our mission field and I suppose that that's exactly where God needs us right now yeah. and, and that we lean into him for that. I so. uh, love that. Fantastic, yeah. Joel, you wanted to add something? Uh, it's been a challenge, of course, um, and um, this whole point of doing stuff that's not enjoyable. Um, uh, when coronavirus hit and the roof work um, took over, um, I was redeployed uh, within my role and uh, part of that redeployment was um, cleaning up rubbish, um, demolishing stuff, um, taking things to the tip, all of these. And the first week or so, uh, I was hit with this. Um, what, what, am I, what am I doing? Um, this is not what I signed up for. Um, this is beneath me. Um, and uh, God caught my attention and um, I saw it differently. Um, I saw that mission thing that Michelle was talking about because I had guys working for me, working alongside me who looked at the way that I approached that situation and it mattered how I responded. Um, and God actually said to me, even though you're knocking down walls, you're cleaning floors, you're taking stuff to the tip, you're actually uh, building capacity for kingdom stuff to happen. Uh, wall, uh, rooms had to be cleared, rooms had to be done. Um, dirt, I, I was dirty, I was, I was not dressed, I like to dress like this, but I had to dress in 
um, high-vis stuff and steel cap boots and I was getting dirty and I had gloves and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it mattered. Um, because of the stuff that I was doing with people, that relationship stuff, but because um, God was at, God's got a much bigger plan and we're actually paving the way for God to fill this building. Uh, and that's what I heard from God. And it's definitely about the mission field because the mission field is well beyond what we see here. It's far in advance and there's lots more people to come through the building and those walls that sweeping, those tip runs made that happen. Wow. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. So we're going to change perspectives now um, because Paul in, in Ephesians keeps on writing in this conversation and he, he flips gears to the other side of the picture of the employer's um, take on it. And so we'll, we'll keep on reading. This is um, verse 9. He addresses the masters. He says, And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, uh, and there is no favoritism with him, which Tracy picked up before. So, Roycey, <laughs> for you, what does it look like to serve your employees as you would serve the Lord? Yeah, I'm a big fan of having a clear vision for what we're trying to achieve because going to Giles' point, sometimes there are things that aren't that enjoyable. So if I can help my employees see why what they're doing is important and how it contributes to the overall big picture, I think that helps. I also like to make my employees feel safe. I think that's really important. I think if you're an employee and you feel like you're going to get in trouble or you feel like your job's not secure. I don't think that... You can't really perform at, at your best. So I like to, with, with the team, have a personal relationship with all of them and make them feel safe, encourage them. And um, if they do make a mistake, I go, righto, well, we made a mistake. How are we going to fix this? And I'll come alongside and fix it with them. And just having that, that feeling of you're loved you're nurtured, and it goes against a lot of stuff you see in the secular world, but bringing those kingdom principles in and going, you know what, you are loved and you are safe, yeah. and um, I'm here for you. Uh, I had an employee say to me, I'm sorry, I'm ringing you again, I'm bothering you again, and I said to her, stop, I'm here for you. If you perform your job at a high level, <laughs> I look better. And I said, <laughs> you know, the more work you do, <laughs> the better I look. And she said, oh, yeah. And I said, look, I'm here for you. And I think that's important. Make them feel safe. Let them know that you're here for them, not the other way around. And yeah, look after them. Love them. Yeah. I love that. I love that because, you know, Paul talks about, you know, in the same way uh, a master should treat their slaves. And what's he talking about? Well, if you look at the verse just before, he's saying, well, as if you were serving the Lord. And um, don't you just see a really great picture in what Royce is talking about as to how God serves us, you know, mm. making us feel safe, mm. uh, making sure that um, we are empowered and making sure that um, we have the things, the tools that we need to carry out um, our mission and uh, the encouragement that we need. And um, I think that's fantastic. Well done, Royce. Yeah, well said. Hey, Rene, um, you, you touched on this in your story just before, but... Um, when it comes to um, perhaps dealing with 
difficult employees. Uh, so, so not just ones that you've, actually, you've had to let go because of um, circumstances around the organization, but perhaps employees that uh, don't match the culture that you're trying to do, or maybe they've done the wrong thing, or, or they need to be let go um, in some way. How, how does that, how does this play out in that kind this, of scenario? I, I think it's the most challenging yeah. part. So, uh, I'm a fish farmer. It's really fancy what, <laughs> what, what, how it sounds, general manager, but it's a fish farmer at the end of the day. So, I was prepared to deal with fish, not with people. <laughs> and then I realized now, sitting in an office, I deal 100% or 99% with uh, people and 1% with fish. Fish are much easier. <laughs> they, they don't answer you. Um, I usually talk, and uh, I know that we don't have much time, but uh, I usually say to my uh, people, the, the managers that I work with, uh, everything is about attitude. And that's why this verse is so important, because it talks about attitude. So when we do something doing uh, with an attitude, that we are doing it to, to God. And says for both ways, because it says, okay, treat them on the same way as you're doing with, uh, are, you, are you treating people as um, God? Uh, as, you, as you deal um, uh, with God. So um, I always say to them that uh, it's like a mathematic equation, okay? So we have experience, okay? Experience plus training. So, and that gives you a number. So experience, somebody with a lot of experience could be experience of three. Somebody with um, a lot of training, a doctor, I have doctors in the team, really good could be a number of two. Pretty good train. So that's give us five. Okay? But attitude multiplies. It's, it's times attitude. Mm. So if you have five, if you have three of um, experience, two of training, and so that means that you have five. If your attitude is zero, because it's really bad, you only will have zero at the end, because it's time zero. But if your experience is just one, a newbie that is coming in, and your training is just one, because you don't know much. That will be two. But if your attitude is five, that will go up on the roof. Okay? So yeah. that's why it's so important. It's attitude. It's do the things like um, with the same faith and, and, uh, and the, faith, the same honesty that we have here when we praise God. So that's the same. So when I talk with difficult people, I say to them, okay, I don't care how long you've been here. I don't care how many degrees do you have. No, it's your attitude. Uh, and sometimes I need to say, people with a lot of skills, please, you need to go and bring people that have no experience, but their attitude is, uh, is really positive. Yeah. Yeah. So Good. I think that's, that's the most important right. message. Yeah. And maybe just to wrap up, Tony and Michelle, um, there'll be people here this morning, whether they're online or, or in the room, who perhaps are unemployed at the moment. Um, and maybe that's a real challenge for them, and maybe this discussion is pretty tricky for them. Would you have any advice uh, for those people when it comes to <laughs> living out this relationship um, or um, planning for a relationship like this with a work uh, in a workplace? Would you have any advice or encouragement for people who perhaps are not in the position of employment at the moment? Um, for people that are looking for employment, if they approach their applications with the heart of wanting to serve and, and wanting to provide excellence um, in their field. Um, 
You might just have to swap with Michelle's maybe. They're allowed to do that. They're from the same household. So. When they get a position, um, hopefully, um, that they continue to approach that in, in applying this themselves to their work. Um, I think uh, if they're serving God, they'll serve their employer as well. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, before I uh, pray and wrap up, can we thank uh, and um, applaud these guys? Thank you so much. Thank you guys for inspiring us and encouraging us and sharing a little bit of your own stories when it comes to this. And I hope that it's been helpful for people. I hope that it's uh, been encouraging for people. And, uh, but why don't we pray as we finish up here this morning? Lord, we uh, thank you for this morning. We, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this journey that we've been on through the book of Ephesians. And, and Lord, we thank you so much that it, um, the, the practical uh, nature of this, that you don't just tell us um, how it's meant to be, but you actually give us tools. Uh, you actually give us some instruction as to how to achieve it. Uh, Lord, we're just so thankful. Uh, we thank you. We're, we're thankful for these people right here who've been involved in our panel. Thank you for their experiences and their their passions and and everything you've provided for them. Lord, we pray a special blessing on them, each and every one of them, on their work, on their workplaces, on their teams that they lead, on on their employers that they report to. Lord, we pray that you would continue to do great things in their lives. That we uh, that they would see fruit um, of living this out um, in their lives, in their workplaces. And for each of us, Lord, whether uh, we're in whatever circumstances we're in, whatever context of work that we might find ourselves in, Lord, would you continue to show us how you would like us to live at one in our workplace with the people around us whether they're our bosses, whether they're our employees, whether, whether those people are believers and followers of you or not, Lord, would you continue to give us strength and courage, encouragement, Lord, and inspiration and tools to live this out in each and every one of our own places. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for everything you have done for us and who you are in our lives. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Would you thank these guys one more time and we're going to sing one last song to finish up.